I'm Tanya Muhammad, and this is Act Two, New York. Balanchine is New York, so Balanchine's Nutcracker is New York. The old joke is it's just like falling off a bike you never forget. I find myself at least often taking a moment, even like when I walk into the theater in the morning, I walk right past the front door of the theater and I always take a moment and I'm just really grateful that I get to do this again. And I don't think that'll leave for a really long time. Before we begin, just a quick note that the material for this episode was recorded early in December, and things have changed remarkably in New York since. Omicron has caused the art scene to take yet another hard turn. But just those couple of weeks ago, real optimism and holiday joy were everywhere. It was exciting. It's wonderful, and New York is more special than ever, and I'm just happy and blessed to be here. Actually, it feels like Christmas coming here. Yeah, (laughs) perfect. It's just perfect for that. (laughs) I love the ballet so much, and I I wouldn't miss it. I'm from Japan. I mean, this is something I love to do during the holiday time, so I come here to, you know, celebrate the holiday. Christmas is upon us, and for the most wonderful time of the year, there is no place you'd rather be than in New York City. There are countless holiday movies set here, and there's a reason for that. Throughout them, you'll see scenes of New York sights, decked out in all its festive splendor, with soft snow falling gently to the street and gauzy lights twinkling in the background. Who wouldn't want to be here right now? Venues big and small are hosting holiday shows galore, and among them are yearly traditions that have become holiday canon in the city. Billy Joel at MSG, the Rockettes at Radio City, and finally, you have the star atop the Christmas tree of NYC holiday celebrations. That is, the New York City Ballet's production of Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker, performed as it has been since 1954 with George Balanchine's timeless choreography. And after almost 21 months of pandemic shutdowns and closed international borders, you can bet that this holiday season, the return of the Nutcracker at Lincoln Center was going to be one of the city's big reopening moments. Yeah, you feel like... You're taking a, a little, maybe 5% risk, but you also feel that you're in the center of the world. I mean, Balanchine is New York, so Balanchine's Nutcracker is New York, and, and we're New York, so we're in it and we're of it. We came from Mexico, so it's difficult to travel to the States during the last year, so we do the travel just for, for her. To see the Nutcracker. Yeah, Nutcracker is it. That really is, you know, it's in some ways the beating heart of the holiday season for New York. There's a lot of gratitude to go around, not only with the audience, but with the dancers and the musicians. I think everyone's really grateful to be able to be in a theater and witness 
what's going on and the dancers are so grateful to be on stage and have people cheering and applauding. My name is Unity Phelan. I am a principal dancer with the New York City Ballet um, and we are currently in our six week run of George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. And currently I am speaking to you while sewing another pair of point shoes for the show on Saturday, just to make sure I have extra pairs ready to go. I spoke with Unity Felon, who's been with the New York City Ballet as an apprentice since 2012 and was promoted to principal dancer just this year in October. She was performing as the Sugar Plum Fairy on the night I attended the Nutcracker. Her performance was electric and imbued with an intensity I didn't often associate with ballet. I wondered if the time apart from the stage had changed her performance somehow and her relationship with the beloved piece. Nutcracker is kind of like in your, it's your second language as a member of New York City Ballet, especially with how many shows we do. So it's, it's something that comes back really easily. And I think not having it last year makes it even more special this year for all the company members. I keep finding myself getting really emotional, not just because I got promoted and feel like this is really like my home now and where I'm going to stay for as long as I can possibly dance. But I just feel so lucky that I get to do this as my job and that bringing joy to not only people, but especially the children during Nutcracker. Like there's so many kids in the audience. It's so fun. And especially during Nutcracker season, there is, it's just such a fun production to be a part of and to get to especially be the Sugar Plum Fairy. It feels really special. And it's definitely something I never take for granted. Every time the Sugar Plum comes out in this like big flurry of a bore to center, it's a big musical moment. And it's, I always get chills during that entrance onto the stage. And then from there, it just kind of feels like you're home. People are trying to just be extra cautious, can't control what everyone's doing, but there is an understanding, especially during Nutcracker, that there's so many moving parts. And there, we have had a couple dancers test positive and we test every week. So that keeps us very safe. But the ripple effect it has when one person tests positive is so, it kind of makes the whole company disjointed for a day or two with everyone getting tested. So we dance all day in rehearsal with our masks on. And then at night we take them off for the show. So it's, it's really nice to see everyone's full face again. So that's, that's a fun part of it that I guess we will never take for granted again. I'm Jonathan Stafford. I'm the artistic director of New York City Ballet and the School of American Ballet, our official school. And I've been in this role for a few years now. I was a former principal dancer with New York City Ballet, where I danced for 16 years and then worked my way, you know, into the artistic staff and up to the role I currently hold now. We're thrilled to be able to bring this back to the community. You know, the Nutcracker is such an important production for New York City. It's such an important production for kids who are thinking about, maybe I want to start ballet. And maybe this is what they need, the inspiration they need to get over that hurdle to start. And um, we're just thrilled that we can provide that again this year. Jonathan Stafford, current artistic director of the New York City Ballet in School of American Ballet, had just accepted his formal position in 2019 
right before the pandemic shutdown of 2020, and is now responsible for guiding the company's post-COVID reopening through the fall and the especially important winter season. In terms of coming back from the pandemic, we felt like what we had initially planned and, and what we were already working on putting out there was exciting, was fresh, and would give people joy. You know, that's the most important thing we can offer in this time is an escape from the many stresses and the many pressures that everyone's under right now, and that they can just let go and come and sit in the theater for an hour or two and just be transported to a place that hopefully brings some light to their day and to their life. What we want to provide is someone comes in, sees New York City Ballet for the first time. Maybe they only really connect with one of the three ballets we do on that program, but they're still connecting with that one piece that's enough to bring them back. Maybe they're connecting with all three and they're going to come back the next week and the week after that and the week after that. But we know that any art form, but especially live theater and live dance is so subjective. People really gravitate towards more classical or the more contemporary or the more modern, or they like a certain type of music. They, they like a certain type of dynamic quality in the choreography. And while they can appreciate the other stuff, there's gonna be certain things that they're drawn to. So what we try to do each year is provide a whole layered experience across the year. We really try to provide this, this sort of like candy box. Mm -hmm. You know, we have all these, these delicious morsels for people to chew on and we have, we we open up the candy box and then they can pick and choose which ones are their favorites and, and really come in and enjoy them and try to stay away from catering towards one type of audience or another. It's really trying to be as broad as possible with our programming, but keeping it all at the highest level. That's the most important thing that the quality stays high no matter what we offer. Sometimes it felt like we were the last to start up again because it is such a big group of people, but I think in the end our re-entry uh, was so smooth and it felt really appropriate kind of coming out of it and the amount of time we had for rehearsal and kind of the pace at which they took it felt really good. So I'm, I'm very grateful that that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, well, lots of challenges for sure. Um, I don't regret it. I think there's been lots of silver linings actually. And I've seen how I've grown as a leader with these new challenges and stuff. I mean, that's what uh, if everything was easy all the time, uh, we wouldn't grow and improve. You know, it's the challenges that make us stronger. And I feel like this organization is stronger coming out on the other side. I mean, yes, the difficulties were going from working full time all day, every day to being shut into our homes, unsure if we'd have a job to come back to someday or, you know, being literally closed down by the government because what we do involves bringing a lot of people together and just having no sense of when it's gonna end, uh, worrying about family members who are more vulnerable to the virus, worrying about our own health. But what we found is the resilience of the members of this organization in particular shown so brightly through the pandemic. And our dancers came back looking stronger and better than they ever have. You know, we've changed some processes and, and improved the, some of the ways we do things in the company because we had time to look into things that we normally wouldn't have when we're going full speed. Still a lot of work to do um, as we look to reshape the culture of the company and, and make it a place that everyone feels seen and heard and appreciated for their own unique talents and what they bring in. 
What about, I know that there is some aspect of dancing in such a company, especially with younger kids, that is about mentorship. How has sort of like restrictions and social distancing affected that? Um, I wouldn't say it's affected it too much because we are still around everyone with our masks on. So there's probably, I mean, they've all seen my face now because we've performed together, but I think during the first rehearsal period we had uh, before the fall, once we all took our masks off, everyone's like, oh, that's what you look like. I forgot that's what you look like. But I think that there's still this um, wonderful thing happening at the company where we have apprentices come in every year and I especially try to be an approachable person to them. I wrote them all an email over the pandemic just saying if they need anything I was here for them because it, I couldn't imagine almost getting to start your apprenticeship and then being like oh you have to wait a full year and then you can start it but I, I, I think that mentorship is still very alive and we all try to have open door policies with the younger members of the company to help or ask quite like answer questions and kind of cheer them on. I always, you always know their, I always know their names and always like say Merit for their first shows and. Merit is a French exclamation that loosely translates to, uh, well, poop. The dance world is brimming with superstitions, just like the theater world is. And Merit is how you wish a dancer good luck, because you never, ever want to tell anyone in the ballet to break a leg. Speaking of first performances, one of the most magical things about The Nutcracker is that it features performers of all ages, adorable young ones, and then dozens of elementary and middle school age dancers who perform a variety of roles. The roles range from the angel and the mice to the story's main protagonist, a young girl called either Marie or Clara, depending on the production. It's possible to see the whole life cycle of a ballerina on the stage, starting as a mouse as a young girl, then graduating to a polichinelle, and then an adult member of the larger company. Then, if they're lucky, getting a chance to dance one of the leads as Coffee or the Snow Queen, or the Sugar Plum Fairy herself. One of the beautiful things about Nutcracker is the amount of kids that we use in the production from the ages of eight to 12 or 13. And as we were working through how we could get Nutcracker back to stage, it was apparent right away that we needed everyone to be vaccinated because the backstage areas are so tight. You know, everyone's in close contact with each other. They're not wearing masks on stage so they can tell the story the right way. So we needed to go with um, kids who were 12 years old or older because at the time, that was the only you know, age group that, that the vaccines were available for. So, so we now have 12 to 16 year olds in the cast. And as you can imagine, that's quite a big age difference. They're doing the same choreography, but we had to build new costumes. We had to cut out six roles from the Nutcracker because we just needed to streamline it. Streamline it you know? Traditionally, there's over 70 roles. So cutting out only six was not so bad. And I don't think many people in the audience would even notice the changes because they're very seamless. But, you know, something as simple as the eight polichinelles who normally come on stage underneath the mother ginger skirt, four come out underneath, four come out hiding behind. because They're just too tall for them to all fit underneath. 
So little changes like that, but really it's the same production that everyone knows and expects and loves. My daughter Elise was an angel two years ago in 2019, and then this year she was selected to be Marie. So uh, this was not her very first time, but it felt like the first time in many ways. For many of them, they were um, taller than they normally would be for the, the roles that they have. As you mentioned, the girls are a little bit older and the, the boys as well. So they were thrilled to get back into it. Most of them felt they were sort of out of the game because they've sized out of the costumes that have been so traditionally sized for smaller children. So for many of them, it's another chance to get back out there and really enjoy it. And you can tell that they're savoring it. It's nice because there are some older students and it seems like instead of their attitude of like, oh, this is such a baby role I'm doing, a lot of them are really excited to get to, to, get to do the Nutcracker with the New York City Ballet because the sad reality is that not everyone from SAB gets into the New York City Ballet. So a lot of them are like, if this is my one shot, I'm going to take it and I'm going to be a part of it, which is, it's very refreshing to hear that perspective. The challenge was really the usual challenges, keeping up with schoolwork, you know, the logistics of going to ballet class and performing and then going to school as well. So they were just normal challenges, but they, uh, it was seamless really from our perspective as far as COVID goes and, um, and the preparations made by both the ballet and the School of American Ballet. I do teach. I just taught company class yesterday. It's really important for me to know the dancers, to get in the studio with them, to sort of express the ideals that I'm looking for in a dancer and the technical expectations that I, I want to lay out that they, you know, I want to try to get them up to. What we did find is the dancer's technique in a lot of cases got better because they were stuck in a small space. So they couldn't move and fly around the room like they normally would. So they actually had to hone in on, you know, it was almost like going back to the beginning of being a dancer, starting over and really just focusing on technique because that's all they could do. And so we're seeing these dancers come back stronger with more technical clarity. That's one word I use a lot is we want to be able to move fast and big, but you have to see the clarity of the choreography of the steps. Um, so it's not, it doesn't get blurry. And we saw that at the school too, where the, the students were stuck in their little rooms for several months. And then when they came back to the studio, they were cleaner dancers. And it took a little time to get that movement quality back of moving through space. But now that it's back, um, they look better than ever. Strange to say, but I feel like I got a lot stronger over COVID. And I don't know what specifically that was, but I was, especially actually I could say during Nutcracker, because it's the same choreography we come back to year after year. Coming back to the Dewdrop and Sugar Plum, I was very surprised that a lot of it felt a lot easier or a lot less, I had less parts to worry about. And I don't know if that's just like a self-trust thing or confidence thing, but I felt much more like settled into the roles instead of feeling like I had to work on this part and focus on this part and try to do this here and this here and this here. It felt like I was stronger and more capable of them this time around. But maybe that's just because we didn't get to do it last year. <laughs> I think I mentioned in a past episode that in February of 2020, I went to the New York City Ballet's Art Ballet at Lincoln Center. Needless to say, it was the last big cultural thing I did before the pandemic. So to be sitting again, in the beautiful, expansive David E. Koch Theatre, watching this perfect piece of Christmas confection felt utterly overwhelming, but in a really good way. I hate to say it, even an old Grinch like me 
was utterly swept away by the drama of the music, the gorgeous sets and costumes, and most of all, the precision and grace of the dancers. It's always been a spectacular, high-level performance. But right now, here in this moment, it totally took my breath away. The beautiful thing about our second act, the second act of The Nutcrackers, there are so many different divertissements. So there's so many different things for people to see. There is definitely more pressure being the Sugar Plum Fairy. Um, but I'd say me, myself, I don't feel any external pressure. I'm not feeling pressure from my my bosses or my repertory directors or anyone out in the audience who's watching with a technical eye. I mostly get that pressure off for myself and it's more than enough to go around. I love the steps that we get to dance and they work really well together, but a lot of them are very challenging. And even during the show last night, one of my turns went really well. And then the next one didn't feel as perfect as the one before it. And in my head, I was like, oh, that wasn't as good as I was dancing. So there's definitely that kind of internal monologue as you're going through this technically difficult choreographic sequence. And there is, you want it to be special and magical. And my rule for myself is that I'm not allowed to be upset with my performance unless something catastrophic happens. So I usually find myself picking at little moments that I think could have been better, especially after the show and before my next one, just to kind of further iron out any kinks. But I think that any pressure that we are feeling is from just wanting it to be really magical and special and contribute to this wonderful reopening of New York City. There's such a feeling of joy and liberation. Um, the, the actors and the dancers and the musicians and, and all of the people behind the scenes, they're brave. They're out there doing the work that really gets the city back to what it was and that kind of joy that New York can bring. I just think the our, ver our version, the George Balanchine's Nutcracker is just so magical. I actually, um, for the first time this year, a bunch of my friends who are in American Ballet Theater have expressed interest in coming to see it and I've been able to secure them a couple tickets so they can come. Um, and one of them was at the show last night and he was like, this production is just like a magic trick on top of magic trick and everything just works together and it's so beautiful. I feel very lucky to be a part of it. This is such a fun and magical time of year regardless, but getting to perform the Nutcracker and kind of spread the joy of dance and ballet with so many New Yorkers and so many people who come in from out of town to see it is really special. And it's something that I don't think any of us will take for granted again. There are 47 shows, maybe 48 shows. And some of, some of the Court of Ballet women have every single show. And a lot of them have said, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get really tired, but this year none of us are complaining because this is a really fun and special thing to be a part of. It feels like I would like to think that everyone came out of the pandemic a little bit more kind. That was my goal, to come out very kind um, and understanding of the human condition that we're all in. So that does seem to be palpable in some way from the stage to the audience. There's a lot of like gratitude being passed back and forth, which I think is really special. I hope that sticks because that feels really nice. We just take it one day at a time and there's a lot of future planning going on, but there's also so much just day-to-day -day work of supporting, you know, people who are vulnerable during this time. People are having difficult times. Maybe they have family members who are sick or have passed away. And 
you know, just trying to be there, be present, and also taking care of uh, my baby at home has been, you know, brought a great perspective to my life. And my wife and I just couldn't be more thrilled. She's three months now, and it's just oh, so, it's so beautiful cute. and <laughs> so sweet, and you know, keeping us busy for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, I think it's helped actually. Honestly, it's helped me turn off from some of these stresses that I have to deal with every day, and just be present for her and for my wife and. Um, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy being back at work and being back in performance and seeing these dancers shine again mm-hmm. and, and also not take that for granted. Balanchine's Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet was the much-needed light at the end of a long, dark tunnel. But right now, as the new variant tears through the city and shows shut down as COVID cases rise, it feels like that light is fading and the dark tunnel is endless. As we all go through this collective PTSD, I have to remember to pause and think of just how far we've come from those early days in March of 2020. The themes of gratitude, kindness, joy, and optimism kept coming up when I worked on our holiday episode. If those four words don't encapsulate the spirit of Christmas, I don't know what does. And that's what we need to hold on to right now. From all of us here at Citizen Racecar, we wish you a very happy holidays and all the best for the new year. My name is Tanya Mohammed, and I produce the show along with Garrett Tiedemann, who also does the post-production, original music, and sound design. Production manager, Gabriella Martekin, and our executive producer is David Hoffman, who composed our theme music. You can still get tickets to The Nutcracker through January 2nd at www.nycballet.com and follow them on Insta at NYC Ballet. Lincoln Center has a ton going on this holiday season. Just check out their website at www.lincolncenter.org And don't forget to follow them on social, on Twitter and Instagram at Lincoln Center. Special thanks to Katarina, Kina, and Desiree and everyone who took the time to speak to me. I'll have more info on everyone in this interview in our show notes in our Facebook at at numeral 2 NY and Instagram at at numeral two, New York, spelled out. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review and share links of your favorite episodes. We really appreciate the support. Racecar Radio is a division of Citizen Racecar. We tell stories. Thank you.